following program is designed to inform and entertain, not provide medical advice. You should always consult with your physician before starting any treatment. We will be discussing an article on mental health in the news and answering a listener question on being an introvert during the holidays. Today on Drinks and Shrinks. Welcome to Drinks and Shrinks, where we invite you to lay back, relax, and join us for an informal discussion on mental health with practicing therapists. My name is Ingo Weigold. I'm John Decker. And today we are going to be talking about an article that talks about, that's word vomit, taking a break from the news uh, can improve mental health, a certain study finds. But before we do all that, John, how's it going? Pretty good. Um, this is an interesting time of the year in terms of clientele because I think, I think a lot of people need help during this time because a lot of people don't like the holidays and it's also just like dark and gloomy outside for most for everybody in the northern hemisphere and so um i think things are i notice a lot of people just don't tend to do as well but i also notice we don't aren't as busy as earlier months like in the fall for whatever reason but that's just my historical mm. experience people yeah. tend to not do well but i don't see them <clears throat> reaching out for help as much oh interesting yeah i don't know like i feel like december really started to pick up but definitely november was a lot quieter than what i experienced previously which was odd I don't know what's causing that, but I love this time of year for as far as therapeutically, this two, three weeks leading up into Christmas is because I feel like clients are a little raw and when they come in raw and emotionally charged is where we can do a lot of work. Why are they raw? Huh? Uh, well, just family situations like they have the, or, you know, they Thanksgiving happened and now they have, you know, cousin Bob who came and like activated some old you know repressed emotions and now they want to deal with them or maybe they don't want to deal with them at all that that happens too like it, i feel like it's one or the other they either want to really feel deeply about things and work on stuff or they want to just ignore it till after the new year and for some reason this year most of my client base is really intent on like trucking through and working on their issues so um it's kind of fun you know you it hasn't been boring for me some days have been pretty exhausting but uh i've enjoyed it and I just think, you know, like you said, people struggle a lot during the holidays. And for, I know for me, like we had talked about like seasonal stuff and this, this like lack of sun, like it's dark out at four something, you know, yeah. that's ridiculous. It's been really overcast recently too. Like today there's no sun, it's rainy, you know, you can hear the drone of the cars driving by perhaps at times when we're talking and it's just like one of those days where it's, would be cool to like huddle up on the couch, maybe play some video games or watch a movie. And really do nothing. Yeah. You know? But the show must go on. So here we are. We're still here. Yeah. Yes. So we're going to talk about an article we found that uh, yes. I know you liked. And it's it was, what's the title of it again? Taking a break from the news can improve mental health. Study finds, uh, according to NBC News. Can we start by summarizing what the article is about? Why don't you start off? Um, well, it kind of... And this is, this is something that's very dear to my heart, which is why I really like that you sent this to me to, to look at. Um, it talks about like the news in general potentially contributing to mental distress, mental health issues. And there was, um, 
you know, like uh, the article talks about basically um, like information being endlessly available and, and having, you know, we have our phones on us 24 seven. I, I don't even, even someone, you know, I've, I've, I'm always a marvel at this, but someone who like Chicago has homeless, right. And even they have cell phones, right. A lot of them, if not all of them, because that's the form. It's like part of us now. It's like the wallet. When my parents were growing up, everyone had a wallet in their back pocket. And now they kind of don't anymore because they have their cell phones and Apple Pay and everything else. But you have this device that you can go and look at information anytime. And there, this article kind of says Endless that, porn. En- endless <laughs> porn. It doesn't talk about porn in this article, but maybe a different show we can discuss. Yeah. Um, but like the news in general is negative. And uh, at some point for everyone, there is like a mass overload that happens too much news um you know and i guess i want to hear your take on like do you agree with what they say do you disagree with what they say <clears throat> well but how about before we do that can we let's let's make the scope bigger and think about like why is the news so negative like when we all turn on the news it doesn't take long before i start being like geez the world is a shitty place right um yes why do you think it's it's swung that way well it's because human beings are wired for negative feedback like we 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 are more wired to be activated by that from mm-hmm. our environment and the news knows this so i'm assuming at some point somewhere someone hired psychologists or at least talked to some and they were like yeah if, if you have all happy newsy stories no one wants to listen to that but if you show a train wreck constantly over and over it like creates like a you know like a, a response in people you know mm-hmm. they get activated and it's like a fighter and they're drawn to it it's like you know on the highway, when there's an accident on the on the other side of the highway, there's always there's a traffic jam on the opposite side because everyone's gawking at that because we can't help ourselves, right. and that's kind of what they cater to is this this need in humans to like have this input negatively. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an yeah. addiction, I think. I I, I I'm kind of skeptical of a lot of evolutionary psychology, but I think a lot of that plays into this where. To me, at the heart of it is some kind of like gossip where it's like as you gossip about people, you learn negative things about them. And let's be honest, we all like to kind of gossip from time to time. Sure. But um, when you learn negative things about others, it's in, incessantly curious. Like we, you're, like you say, we can't help but be curious about what the wrongs are going on in the world. Mm-hmm. But then we also have a, um, a cost to doing that kind of thing. And I think evolutionary psychology plays into it in the sense of like growing you know, maybe thousands of years ago, as we were in different tribes, we wanted to strengthen our own bond, like the in-group, out-group kind of ideas. Those who yeah. are in my group, I want to connect more with, and I want to stand up for them. And people who are not in my group, I want to, you know, be a little bit more digging or hearing about the um, the gossip about them. I'm, of course, paraphrasing the limited idea knowledge I have about um, this kind of thing, but I would wager that we, when we hear more and more negative things it gets us more and more curious about what's going on with others too mm-hmm. especially like i don't know about you but for you and the listener when you if you follow a political party or some kind of group and you hear bad things happen to the opposite party a lot of us find that very entertaining <laughs> right of course <laughs> or like there's like this asshole actor that nobody likes yeah right and we find out that he got in a car accident how many of you are going to stop reading that article right Everybody's going to be curious about whatever is going to be in there. Okay. Um, but in any case, on a more specific level, this article was talking about the effects of it. And this, they were specifically, this is about a study that was done. I don't think the study's been published, so we should take that with a grain of salt too. But 
they were saying over COVID, the best predictor of lower anxiety and depressive symptoms was by avoiding too much news. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I agree 100%. Yeah. I uh, stopped watching the news. What is it, 2022? So I stopped watching the news probably com- almost completely somewhere around 2015 or 14. Um, so like seven years ago, six, seven years ago. And of course, I would still randomly tune in when there was big things happening just to catch a quick update. But um, I noticed one thing, I, and, and I tend to you know feel good about that decision. But during COVID, especially the first two weeks, maybe the first week, I was watching the news incessantly. And I just, there was a point in time when after like, I think it happened on a Monday, right? They locked everything down. And by Friday, I was like this ball of anxiousness and like stressed out and not sleeping. And I remember looking back on the week, like, why am I this upset? And I'm like, I have been tuned into that worldometer, you know, I remember that thing. I was counting down all the deaths and stuff. Oh, yeah. And like constantly checking the news. I'm at work doing it, you know, whatever. I'm like, this is the difference. Like I am, I am literally have, wound myself up to a point and then I stopped right and I felt almost instantly better back to like how I was before and I agree that you know even clients I work with some of the most emotionally charged anxious clients watch a lot of news like constantly they have Fox News on or CNBC or what's another one I don't even know CNN CNN they're just running all day same stories over and over again. Like, I just like to hear about it, right? And I'm just like, you ever think maybe if you turn that off, you wouldn't like, and then they go, did you see about this death in this place? I'm, like, I'm always like, no, I don't know. People are shocked when I tell them, like, you don't know about that? No, I don't know. Like, I figure if it's important, someone mm-hmm. will tell me. So It seems to be like a point of flattery is being well-tuned to what's going on in the world, right? But if you don't care about it, I think, but then if you are interested in what's going on in the world, you have to know that there's a cost to doing so. Well, I don't know if I said this here, but I've definitely said this to people I've worked with that the problem with the world today is, is that, um, Uh that's a big statement. Go ahead. It's a huge statement. Um, in, in our parents' life, life, when they were our age, they would read the paper. And a lot of times that news was a couple of days delayed. Like maybe local news was within 24 hours, but a lot of it, maybe something happened a couple of days ago somewhere, right? Far away. And you're getting this paper that you read now you read about something that happens almost instantly and it feels like it's in your backyard, even though it happened in Texas, right? And it, the world is smaller. And I think by, by like um, that reason that when, you, when people do this with the news all the time, it feels like this bad thing that happened in Georgia happened like down the block from me and I should be scared now because in, in reality, it's thousands of miles away, you know? And I, I think that that's, part of, that's a huge problem. That's also a good thing that we're that connected, like because... Obviously, it makes commerce easier and all kinds of things, but this is the byproduct of that. I think mm-hmm. people feel, especially if you're prone to anxiety, I would say stay away from the news. You know, it's just like if you're, we were talking about scary movies, right? You know, if you're jumpy and really get startled easily, you probably don't want to watch horror films all day long. That's going to make you upset. You know, so well, this, what we found, what the what we read last time was that scary movies, I think, were good for anxiety, supposedly, but the news yeah. is not. I, right, that's so, what we're seeing. Yeah, I think uh, there's a risk of what you were sharing. I, we can get some listeners to be like, "Okay, boomer, you know, we got to go back to the newspaper style as opposed to." I'm not a boomer. I don't. <laughs> just, leave, I'm I don't not even saying the freaking paper. I'm not saying you're boomer. I'm saying that's a some a response somebody could have to this is like the good old days were better. That's that's what you heard. That was not my point. Mm-hmm. 
my point was is there was there was a separation of tragedy distance wise time space mm-hmm. now that separation is much less mm-hmm. it's almost no time distance separation and the space feels like it's next door so like you know we had that over the summer that thing that happened in the city with the 4th of July thing right that's far from here that's not that close it isn't like yeah. down the block but it yeah. felt like it happened in my neighborhood yeah. you know and that wouldn't have happened like 50 years ago because of the way we get our information now i think it's too accessible too quick so it's almost like um like anything in moderation you know i don't think alcohol's bad i don't think marijuana's bad i don't think most things are bad doing a, things a lot too much is bad right. just so the news isn't bad inherently but watching it constantly that's not good for your health you know and when it's i think maybe where i or I agree with you is like watching it constantly. And if it's in tune with what's happening, not near you, but it's made to think like it's happening right, right. by you and it is dangerous and you need to be scared Yes, and you need to be careful right now. Yeah. You ever had clients come in where they're just like fired up about something that happened like seven States over and yeah. they're like, we got to do something. And I'm like, what are you going to do about that? Like you yeah. can't even get our state to, I mean, are you moving to Arkansas? Like, I don't know. No. Why are you, I don't understand where's the, but I have a theory about all that. But What's your theory? About why clients do this? Yeah. I think that people a lot of times tell stories or connect themselves emotionally to things that they're not willing to feel themselves. So like, for example, I, I have a client um, in the past that lost someone very close to them and they were not dealing with that in any way. But they would come in and tell these stories of the news of how a, some family in, in, in like, I don't know, Louisiana's kit crashed and they all died, right? Except for the dad. The only person left was the dad and this person happened to be male. And it was like there, there were real tears. But when we talked about the grief about the loss of their own child, nothing. So it was like one of those, you know, I think sometimes people do that. But I, I mean, obviously that's not all people, but am I making sense right now? Yeah, like you're saying like they displace their grief for their own family onto this like... Because it's external to them. Right. So the news is external. That family in Louisiana that that happened to. And I'm just making this up. Don't Google this. I don't know if there was actually a family in Louisiana. I'm, I'm sure there's a family that had a whatever. car accident. So, yeah, right. So that is external to them and they can allow themselves to feel those emotions. For, but internal is their grief about their loss and they cannot process that. So it's like a weird way of trying to like process emotions. Mm-hmm. But obviously not all people are doing that who watch too much news. I think many people watch a lot of news. Mm-hmm. constantly like it's non-stop yeah so yeah i it's interesting because like whenever i've been more switched <coughs> on to the news i don't really watch it a lot either or, or read a lot but whenever i do i do notice that i'm not doing as well i think like to me one of the bigger messages i take away from this article which there's more to say too because i found other articles that interviewed the same people and there was different comments about it um, but the, the main takeaways I'm having is like, I find a lot of people in my life professionally and personally struggle to say this thing is bad for me or, and to, or to recognize it's bad for me, even though it feels like it's good for me. Like alcohol is a very easy example or marijuana, mm-hmm. right? Like you smoke weed, you feel better. Therefore it's good for me, but it actually in the long run, the research shows it's really not good for anxiety and depression. Unless you get too high, then you get super anxious. Yeah. Well, I'm saying it's bad. 
it's yeah. bad in the long run and then it's bad in the short term if you smoke too much right yeah and it's like people think well it makes me feel good now therefore it's good for me and that's just like it's probably not the case if you're like most people i think some people will say that too about like oh i don't it's okay i don't have bad sleep i just stay up watching tv it's not a big deal the the bright screens don't bother me well it's like it probably does and then you're always tired or in this case it's oh the news doesn't really affect me in that way but it's like were you gonna say you're special or are we gonna say that it probably is affecting you and we should just be careful with it anyways because like you're saying i don't think the news is bad i think it's geared to it's really what it is it's it's geared to get eyes on tv so that they can sell advertising space right exactly and so like it is a product now where they are trying to get more and more viewers that mm-hmm. they also are trying to sell stories, but they're trying to sell stories with the spin of trying to specifically get viewers and advertisers, right? right? There are stockholders who want to say, mm-hmm. make us more money with this kind of thing. Yes. I believe all the major news companies are um, publicly traded too. So they have an obligation to try to make as much money as possible. Correct. But then we have to say, like, if they're going to do that, then you have to know that when you watch it, you are take you're really rolling the dice with your health to some degree, with your mental health at least. And this study was specifically over the course of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find some other studies too that said similar things. Funny enough that um, I, I think I misspoke at the beginning of our episode here is that I said it's the best predictor of lower anxiety and depressive symptoms that the researchers measured. It's actually not. They actually are in other in other interviews and maintaining a healthy diet was a super important was a bigger factor than that, but it was only bigger by a smaller amount. Um, But that that and uh, maintaining a healthy diet and watching the news were the two biggest factors that predicted whether someone had lower levels of anxiety and depressive symptoms over the course of COVID. That makes sense, and you know I, I I. I marvel at this because I don't know, you know, like how other people necessarily were doing outside of the people I know through friends or family or clients, but it seemed like a lot of people were really struggling. Whereas I definitely had moments of that, but because I think I didn't watch the news and we did crazy things like, you know, get outdoors and go hiking and do just, and try to like maintain our lifestyle and that we had pre COVID trying to eat healthy and still traveling some and things like that. Like, I think that was insulating in some form, you know, outside of the biggest distress I felt were the, you know, the stupid masks that I had to wear everywhere I went. And I know we have differing opinions on that. I'm sure I didn't, I'm, I haven't said my opinion. I'm so, just listening. Um, you know, it felt like the freedom being restricted was, that was the hardest part about it, right? But um, I think the mind, the body, um, the soul, they're all connected. And I think you, like, Taking care of the vessel that carries our mind is super important through good sleep, diet, exercise, you know, healthy habits so that our mind is, you know, able to, because it's like our body carries it around. So if we don't eat healthy, right, it's okay to eat the cheeseburger every once in a while. I mean, I would disagree, but I also don't (laughs) eat meat. (laughs) But uh, it's not okay to like have three cheeseburgers a day, seven days a week, because that's not, you're not going to feel good that way, you know, so... I think we, as clinicians and people in healthcare, like we have to look at what is generally good for people. Yes. And of course, people have specifics and they're all going to be different. Everyone knows that guy who knows that guy who's 96 years old and he's been eating bacon and eggs every day. For I actually know years. a guy like that. Ex- yeah. My point, exactly. <laughs> and right? drinking like a half gallon of whiskey every right. couple of days. He probably smokes. Totally fine. Yeah. Right. Not anymore, but used to. Right. But then like <laughs> those people are exceptionally rare. 
like more yeah. than likely they're really, really not healthy. Good genes. Right. There's something going on with them. And so the advice we have to give is general. Is the news bad for everyone? Definitely not. But if you watch the news more often, if you are not maintaining a healthy diet and being outside or exercising, you are drastically increasing the risk that you're going to struggle with your mental health. I think yes. it's part of our job is to teach people these things too. Well, one of the first areas I approach with people, as long as they're not too resistant, is like if they if they come in and they want to feel better, I really assess like their overall wellness. And we try to focus on things because I think it's the quickest way to be impactful is to try to get them active. You know, if they're not exercising at all, it might be more difficult. But if they are exercising some, just getting them in a routine of like being physically active, lifting weights, doing some cardio a few times a week, you know, and then also looking at diet and sleep. And if I find that if those three things, sleep, diet, and exercise, if those are in order in some way, mm. it's really difficult not to feel better. I would add socializing too. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, socializing and like eating dinners with people, having lunches, going for coffees, mm -hmm. working out, do it with people, take a class, whatever, stuff like that. Right. So you kind of create this foundation and we're not really working on the brain necessarily, but the overall thing we're talking about mm -hmm. helps kind of support. It makes it easier. You know? I think it's foundational. Yeah. Like we're not going to see a lot of success in a person's mental health. Like we can go back and explore past traumas and yeah. change negative thought patterns. It's not going to matter if you're like stuck in your house all day, eating like crap and not hanging out with your friends. Right. Getting right. high, drinking. Yeah. Like these watching <laughs> the news, right. literally smoking weed, <laughs> drinking whiskey, watching the news while covered in bonbons, bacon and eggs, yeah. ba bacon everywhere. It's just yeah. like baking grease all over you. <laughs> oh gosh. It's Sounds depressing. Someone out there is like, that sounds like fun. You know, I was like, wait, I did that yesterday. And maybe it's like a little vacation that could be fun. But I think on a regular basis, most people will find that it's really not good for them too. Yeah. I used to do that. Like when I was really in, in college, when I was really into um, health and fitness, um, not that I'm not now, but I was like kind of kind of obsessed with it. You do the cheat days, epic cheat days, and eat like everything under the sun. But it would be very like strict, clean for six days. But the seventh day, you're like, that was fun. But then you feel terrible. Yeah. Like, like for 24 hours, your body's like, what have you done? You know. And I think our bodies get habituated to what we eat. So if you yes. eat kind of like crappier food, yeah, you're gonna not feel as bad when you eat it. Yes. But then if you eat in generally healthier, then when you do eat that crappy food, you're more likely to feel not so good from it too. Correct. So anyways, we got a little far from this. Um, what some of the, th it's, I guess what we're suggesting to the, the listener is. Don't watch the news. Well, I think the, <laughs> I think a more moderate question is how much news should people watch? Or how do we judge? I think it depends on you, you know, and I think you have to do some self-assessment. For me, I'm not that sad if I don't know what's going on in the world because what my world consists of is the people around me that I love and care about. And that includes family, friends, clients, whatever. Like, I don't really care what happens in Russia. I know I probably should, but I just don't, you know, so. Because you're heartless. I'm a heartless bastard. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. So that's me. But I think you can, that's one approach. The other approach is I've realized that having that connection is not good for me. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't allow that to happen. It's not that I won't like sometimes get, oh, like in, I see like a Google article. I'm like, oh, what's this? But I try really hard not to be that plugged in. And that works for me, right? You, maybe you're different. Like, how does it work for you? Like, do you watch the news? I should ask. Um, I follow like a few like Snapchat stories and stuff. And people do like comical spins of the news. You're so hip. But like, it's like really just like two minute 
chunks of like Brittany Griner was released from Russian jail. You know, you, you the Brittany, one with the weed thing, yeah, or whatever. Like that she was, was that was a shame. I know, yeah, but like stuff like that, and they it's just like a funny spin on it. So I will, but not. I don't really sit down and watch like half hour chunks of the news. I mean, sometimes I guess I do. Yeah. Um, some other stuff I found because it was interesting. This article talked about the news and exercising and things like that as it relates to our health. But I was curious, like, why? What about news outside of COVID? Because I would argue that more people were interested in the news during COVID than maybe any other point in history, except mm-hmm. for maybe major presidential elections. Yeah, the elections caused spikes. And what do you mean, why outside of COVID? What, what I, say, I mean, like, what other what other times outside of COVID would people be more interested in watching the news? COVID just seemed like everybody had to know: Are is it what safe? Going What's yeah. going on? Is it is the disease near my home? Right. What other times? Well, I don't know. Well, it's a rhetorical question. My point being is like this researcher; these researchers oh. only looked into COVID era news watching. But what I found was that in a 1997 study, um, it showed that negatively, negatively valence news led to significant increases in worries, which goes to your point, and that was 97. So I would wager news has gotten a bit more interested in selling, maybe even more catastrophic. A 2007 study showed that people who watch 15 minutes of news and then 15 minutes of pr- progressive relaxation had reduced anxiety compared to those who did not do the progressive relaxation. They remained anxious after the study. So you have to like calm yourself down after watching the news? Apparently, that's what they found. That's I don't know what the timetable was. It's like they followed up with them. I doubt it. But um, in a 2022 study uh, published this August found that long-term news watching ex- experiencers, uh, long-term news watching um I'm sorry, I'm getting caught up. What do you th- think about this so far? I can't read my own handwriting. What Which part? Like the the what? The uh, the fifteen the progressive relaxation. Have you ever had to do anything like that? As or was no, because I don't watch the news. That's true. I'm always progressively relaxed, mm-hmm. John. You're always relaxed. I'm always relaxed. When have you last felt anxious? Except when I'm not uh, anxious. Uh, I'm just joking about the always relaxed. Yeah, I know. Um, probably two days ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, the study, I, I miswrote what I had, was that, oh, people who were in the higher levels of watching the news, who report being serious, news, severe news watchers, felt 61% of the time they were sickly quite a bit compared to 6% of other people. So really? I'll say that. So people who describe themselves as severe news watchers said that, they, I think it was 61% of them said that they felt sickly, I assume they mean ill, quite a bit, compared to only 6% of other people, which I so, find... So if you watch the news, you're more likely to feel sickly? If you're a severe news watcher. How do they, how do they determine severe? Uh, I think they... I, I didn't read that part, but I imagine they clumped it into like amount of hours a week watching it or something like that. Mm. Or maybe there was maybe it was self... Um, described, yeah, like I describe myself as a severe news watcher. I see. I don't know, but that's what I found. I just think it's interesting. It goes to our point that it just seems like it's overall not good for our health. Well, I wonder if people who are more prone to high anxiety or depression are more likely to actually tune into something such as the news, for some reason. Yeah, it's one of these things where it's like, 
it's like which this chicken or the egg kind of thing you know yeah. which one happened first are people feeling more down because they are watching the news or are they watching the news because they're more down you know or vice versa yeah and i always i oft, i often wonder why would someone want to log in to something like the news if they already feel bad so like what does is that like an external validator of their own internal stress kind of thing perhaps like is that why they're more prone to watching the news in a sense very freudian of you well you know i am i was born in germany so you know it makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> what if you're a direct ancestor you know i i um I've often had that weird, I have, have, I have weird dreams sometimes, even before I became a psychologist, of doing psychology, and it's very strange. So I, I could be Freud's long-lost, you know, ancestor. Who knows? Or no, Mozart's. Probably not. Mozart? What'd yeah. you say? Mozart or Bach or, or Bach. Brahms or something. But I feel like I may have been a psychologist in a past life, if there is such a thing. You believe in souls? I do. Are there past lives, too? Maybe. I believe in a lot of things, mm. but can't prove anything. So, you know, that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> I agree. Um, what if we go to anything else you want to say about this before we go to our listener question? I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I guess I'd be curious if, if the listeners out there have their own experiences with the news. So, you know, I'll say it, we'll say it now questions at drinks and um, Send us. I'd be very curious to see if anyone else has tried this experiment of cutting the news out of their life and if they've somehow felt better because of that and, and if they attributed to that solely or other things. Um, well, I can say during the 2020 election, um, I was watching the news a lot and I felt like dirt. But I was also really curious about like... Well, you couldn't stop because you wanted to see what was going to happen. It was, yeah. It was like one of those... Ugh, it's a giant shit but show. I, I also know that in retrospect when i stopped myself i felt better so that's maybe the general advice is like do it a little bit not too much right like co like cocaine right right just a little but not too much not too much right. that's what freud would say i don't know <laughs> maybe he would say a <laughs> lot of cocaine he really likes cocaine <laughs> i mean who doesn't so <laughs> all right let's get out of this uh for the viewer listener question we have a question from sven who happens to be living in rotterdam netherlands and he asks, how do introverts cope with the holidays? I have a friend who is pretty extreme introvert. Who, uh, oh, you must be the language barrier. Who is pretty extreme introvert. How do you support them while still getting to spend time together? Sven, thanks for sending a message. Tell thanks. your friends about us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. wonder if we should visit the Netherlands, too. I would love to. Uh, I've been to Belgium, so just briefly. So they'd be like, they're different. <laughs> yeah, they're and different. they are. They had guns at the airport, like rifles, machine oh, guns. Lord. Pretty scary. But uh, that's that's for another time. Okay. How so do, how Sven do wants to know, like, introverts. Apparently he's got, you know, a friend, doesn't say a female or male, who's an introvert. And I imagine the, the question comes because the holidays by nature are, are very social and mm -hmm. there's a lot of energy around the holidays. Um, so what are your thoughts? Um, well, let's think about first what what is introversion because I think introvert extrovert gets tossed around a lot, right? So, how do you describe an introvert? Uh, they're all the boring people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I would describe myself as an introvert. Uh, I'm pretty boring though. 
I, I think the best description I've ever heard is that introverts recharge themselves in solitude. They need space to recharge their battery. Extroverts need connection, and they, they, they feed off of others. So they're, the way they instinctually re- reboot or recharge their systems, introverts go and do it alone elsewhere or in quiet, or even maybe alone is maybe not all the way alone, but like in the seclusion of like their, their small group, maybe their spouse or partner or their dog or whatever. And then extroverts will go out to parties and meet with people and mingle and whatever. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think um, I think I'd be a, even. An, I'm very similar to definition. Might be a little bit looser. I would say they just prefer because you could recharge your batteries either way. But I'd say generally speaking, introverts prefer things. I was trying to find definitions and I had a hard time. Um, prefer <coughs> things like quiet reflection, less stimulation, smaller groups. Or deep experiences, while people who are maybe more extroverted are interested in more covering more topics, and but less on a deeper level. Maybe being in large groups, maybe having more stimulation, um, and just kind of being more engaged or with more people in general. Um, so I think we're on a similar page with that. And because of which, though, there's I think it's fair to say, like uh, I like to think of it as the the big five personality inventory. Mm-hmm which is a way, there's lots of different ways of describing personality, but one of the parts of it, of the big five, is introversion, extroversion. And the idea being is it's a spectrum. So the, the, the further you are on one end, the, the opposite you are of a, on the other, which makes sense. The more of an introvert you are, the less of an extrovert you are. But it's also a spectrum where we could say, you and I fall on the spectrum somewhere. I probably describe myself more as an introvert. I'm guessing you describe yourself more as an extrovert. Yeah. But we both know people who are more introverted and extroverted than the both of us. True. And so there are some people out there who are very, un, like, really not liking social events. Mm-hmm. And the holidays can be a, a hard time for them. And I'm guessing Sven, your, it was Sven's friend, was it, is struggling with? Yeah, that? Sven's friend, correct. Who is, intro, who is very introverted. I would suggest one be if it's for your friend, like be patient with them. Mm-hmm. And if I was talking to Sven's friend directly, I might say something like, and "This is not evidence based; it's just based on my experience working with people and with myself." Is to try to manage your social energy, take breaks, like go do the things that recharge it a little bit, and mm-hmm. then come back. Um, try to be present and in with groups of people with your family because one thing we don't people in general don't like is when they say oh where's john why didn't he come out for for dinner you know <laughs> and then they may miss you and yes. then they say like oh he's kind of strange or they may worry right and if you want to raise up a stink like that go ahead but i would say in general if you don't want to try to be present even if it doesn't mean you're talking a lot because mm-hmm. then people won't feel like you're missing as much you don't have to be the talk of the town when you're at the dinner table too so, so put yourself there, but don't necessarily participate as much. Just physically be there? Sure. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I would probably help to talk a little bit, but it's better than definitely just being in your room the whole time. True. You know? But then also, if you need to go take a break, go do that too. What, are your, what would you suggest so far? For the introverts? I like what you're saying. I like what you're saying. Um, I would say... Uh, you said schedule downtime, right? That, mm-hmm. I think that's a big one. And maybe intentionally, like if you know you're going to go to a, a big Christmas party like on a Saturday night, 
maybe Friday night you do something more relaxing, you know, and you don't mm-hmm. pack all these uh, and things in the course of a weekend, or you you create some space throughout the day that day to like be alone first before you go, and, and you know you go to say you have two parties in one weekend and you can't really cancel either one. Mm-hmm. Um, just be really intentional with with this downtime in the sense that it's for you and don't feel guilty about having to take that because in support of going to these social events for example you have to be able to to support your own in like way of being so it's like people can say well i have to do all these things and i still have to like spend all this time with people well if you want to go to the party and they want you there they have to know that they can't like hang out with you all day too like you need to have time mm-hmm. and having like escape hatches is kind of what you're saying too is super important I encourage framing it as a choice. Like you don't have to go unless you're like a kid and your parents are making right. you, right? But you choose to go. And then you can also choose not to go or choose to be there a little right. bit. But I would say, like you're saying, choose beforehand to be like, if it's Saturday night, I have to go do this thing. Mm-hmm. Then during the day, choose to be very careful with it. Yeah. Right. Go for walks, play games, like watch TV, whatever you got to do yep. to help get you ready for that kind of thing. Yeah. I think those are good ones. Um, I think it's important to understand yourself. Like, what, however you are, there's no wrong way. I, I think the world needs both introverts and extroverts. And a lot of times, groups are best when there's a mix of those together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think society definitely uh, encourages extroverted behavior. And especially here in America, um, it's almost a frowned upon to be introverted like the expectation especially and even for i would go as far as to say for like males in general is to be extroverted and social and you know affable and charismatic and all these things and you know that's a lot of pressure like if if you don't feel like it you know Mm -hmm. because you're more of an introvert so yeah it's 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 annoying how that's the case where it's just like if you're intrinsically not that kind of person like it's harder to be a salesperson it's harder to like be like I guess like a go getter or to be like a life of the party or be beloved by a lot of people if you're kind of just more quiet and reserved. Well, I would say that y- you know, well, taking it further is maybe don't be a salesperson if you're an extreme introvert. That's not a good match for you personally. You shouldn't maybe do that. Maybe you should do something else. Well, as I'm kind of just thinking about it, I think a lot of the more better earning jobs are probably more extroverted. I had to guess. Probably. I would say that's Which fairly true. It just sucks for introverts. I mean, there's still jobs. Scientists, you know. You know, one thing I, I um, someone once told me, and I don't know if anyone studied this, but uh, a lot of entertainers are actually extreme introver- introverts, but they just play an extrovert on stage. And it's like this weird juxtaposition of, you see this lively person that's on stage, you know, performing but they're actually not that in real life. Mm-hmm. It's like a cloak they wear, an armor they wear that they take off. And then, you know, so. Carl Jung would say a lot about that, about you wanted to put a mask on to be someone different. Yeah. Yeah. During those times. So I you do that while you perform. And yeah. then you take it off and you go back to your, you know, quiet existence. In mm-hmm. a sense. Which is why maybe some actors don't like to be found out when they're at Starbucks. You know, it's <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, whoa I, I, I didn't choose to be seen here. Right. You know, I, was, I still wanted to be just my normal self, my introverted self. I don't know if that's realistic. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, maybe something that they're putting themselves into. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also suggest that you remind yourself when it will be over. I find that it helps me is to be like, okay, in general, I will go home at nine o'clock. I just have to like 
bear these next few hours. Not like it's intensely painful, but it helps for me to kind of have a timetable. Mm -hmm. I encourage rewarding yourself. Yes. That, that doesn't mean like go like, to the Bahamas. With cocaine, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with marijuana, alcohol, and cocaine. And yeah. cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Reward yourself even if it's like, oh, I'm going to have one of my favorite snacks afterwards. Because behaviorally, yeah. well, we know that when you reward a behavior, you're more likely to do it again, too. And I, I, last thing I think that's really helpful for me is I try to practice reframing it. Um, one way of seeing it is I have to be around people that I don't want to be around or mm -hmm. that Sven's friend might have to. But I sometimes will see it as a challenge to say, can I get myself to be more social when I don't want to be? Or another way of putting it is I get to be around people who in general like to see me. And I could have smaller groups of people who don't really care for me, but they want to see me. And I think that if you are at, a at an event with lots of people, chances are they want to see you too. That's, that's yeah. overall a good thing. It is a good thing. Yeah, it's just hard to navigate sometimes. And it, it, you know, I find with introverts that I've talked to, um, whether it's friends or uh, clients or otherwise sometimes there can be this like uh shame associated with the way they are and, and because it's like oh i should want these things i should want to be the life of the party i should want to bounce around and talk to everybody but i don't want that and uh, something's wrong with me because i can't do that as well as you know joe for example who's like you know mr politician and knows everybody's aunt and uncle's names and shakes everyone's hands you know the center of the party um so give yourself some grace. Maybe, Sven, you can talk to your friend. <clears throat> talk to your friend about how they would like to see the holidays go and get mm. some feedback from them. It's a great question. You know, like, hey, I know this is a social time. Like, how, do you, how would you like it to go? You know, we have all these things that we're going to do where I want to see you. Like, what are you, what are you okay with? What are you not mm. okay with? And what would be your terms? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and like you said earlier, give them the sense of like control, you know, mm -hmm. agency about it. So that it doesn't feel like this thing that happens to them that's like painful, you mm -hmm. know, so. Um, but introverts can be extroverted. They can behave like extroverts. But it, from my experience, it's emotionally draining in that sense. Well, I think they like, it's not that they don't, I think the wrong way of seeing it that I think is like a pop culture view is like, I've heard a lot of people say, I'm an introvert sometimes and an extrovert others. Yeah, you're, everybody's both sometimes, yeah. right? Like sometimes you don't want to be around people and other times you do. But I think in general, introverts prefer smaller crowds, deeper conversations, mm -hmm. less stimulation. But extroverts in general would rather say like, let's turn this party up a notch. Let's go make this mm -hmm. more fun. Yes. Let's go do something. Let's go meet some people. Like yep. let's go to a concert, right? And mm -hmm. not that you can't go to either side of those extremes, but... It's just saying in general, some people like those more than others. And yes. some introverts will say, like, you know, I really miss my friends. I wish I was around them. That doesn't mean you're not an introvert. It just means in general, you prefer smaller groups of people. Yeah. Quote, more in, um, mm -hmm. intimacy, things like that. So you're right. And I'm sure there are times for you as a more extroverted person, you want to be alone or maybe just yeah. with your family. It happens very rarely, but it happens. Yeah. Would you say you're, you're quite extroverted? Yes. Mm. I would say yes. I would, I would say, um, I don't know, like, I don't view extra, you, you kind of, you put this, like, maybe we need to talk about this at some point down the road, because one of our colleagues gave an amazing press, we should maybe have her on, yeah. and, and do her extrovert, introvert thing, because that was an amazing presentation. That was really she, cool. Yeah, and I, I, the way you're talking, and maybe this is just my own, like, way I'm perceiving what you're saying, 
it almost feels like your perspective is that extroverts are a little more shallow and not as deep. No, that's is, definitely is, not it. That that's not what you're saying. No, I don't even know if I like the word deep um, experiences. That was just what I had been finding. I would just say it's more of like the amount of people we want to be around in our life. That's my personal I see. description. But it seems as though like and I think this is I think there's some truth to it too. Like you find really introverted people and they're willing to to kind of like meditate on a conversation for over an hour. But I think um maybe more extroverted people are a little bit more social butterflies, kind of talk to that person and talk to that person and then, you know. Yeah. I mean, would you agree with that? It seems that way. I just don't yeah. It feels like it yeah. I think for me as an extrovert, I like to talk deeply about things. But at some point I hit a I hit a point where it feels like mental masturbation if that makes any sense, and then I get annoyed and I'm going to do something else. Can you describe mental masturbation more? Well, just talking about something to a, like to death, like I know you say like deeply, and I don't mind doing that. But sometimes like an hour or two on one subject that's like so like you're just kind of like hammering away at it it can be exhausting because there's an, maybe that's part of my add i don't know but i like uh, stimulus you know so then it becomes like draining because i have to focus so intensely on it so maybe i don't know if all extroverts are that I, that's what i'm saying i think i enjoy that right like going to that kind of depth and just kind of focusing on it more and more and more and more which is why you said at a few points that you would have been a philosopher and yeah right right and that's kind of the basis of the whole thing right yeah it's just and and not that there's anything wrong with it it's just that like i've noticed that when i try to engage in those kinds of subjects i've noticed the more extroverted people tend to get less interested quicker yes and i'm not trying to diss anyone right there's pros and cons to both sides in fact one of the things that the big five shows is that people who as f- i could be wrong but as far as i'm remembering people who are more on the introverted side also are more likely to struggle with mental illness yes so it's like it's not i would say it's in general in terms of our health probably better to be extroverted but there's pros and cons to both sides yeah of course given yeah. that yeah and more intelligent people are more likely i think to be depressed also mm. i think ability to think deeply about things can cause like that slippery slope of like being too internal with everything and analyzing everything to death you know getting lost in there there's a concept called depressive realism which is Mm. like when you think when you know more about the way the world works the more depressed you get but i don't think that's been accurately replicated like if you know what's in a hot dog you start to get more sad as opposed to like if you're just an idiot eating a hot dog you're just cool with it right but when you start mm. to say like, oh my gosh, how much suffering went into this and how carcinogenic is this food, right? And then you start to say like, oh wow, this is actually pretty messed up. But I don't think that's necessarily that the case. Like, I, don't, I think you can look at the world for what it is but not be depressed by it. I think that's where you have to change your perspective on it too. Okay, that makes sense. As uh, my uncle once said, the world is a wonderful place if you let it be. <laughs> I agree with your uncle. True story. Well. Anything else you want to say about introverts? I think we're good on that. So, you know, Sven, talk to your buddy. Hopefully you have some insight now and and more, you know, you know, see how it goes. Good luck, Sven's friend. I I think Sven might be an extrovert and he's trying to figure out how to connect with his introverted buddy during the holidays, maybe. You should definitely grab him by the shoulders, shake him and say, snap out of it. That's right. Stop being a pussy. (laughs) Go to this damn party. Do this shot. (laughs) Do some cocaine. Do the cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah questions at drinksandtrinks.com for for questions comments 
you want to send us cocaine? <laughs> Please don't send me cocaine. <laughs> send us an ingo. Just kidding. Uh, those days are long what gone. Have so, we, what have we got for uh, guilty leisure? Oh, guilty leisure being the thing that we're up to recently. That's uh, maybe <clears> not, <throat> we're really, maybe a little bit guilty. I mean, well, here's the thing. So, um, I don't even want to say. Like, my kids have been watching the younger ones, this show on Hulu called Dance Moms. It's like some weird show about, like, these dance parents, you know, who are probably mentally ill, like, based on, because yeah, I'll pop right. in and out as I'm going by, and there I've caught myself at times, like, standing there for 10 minutes going, like, this is fascinating. And I can see why this television is so captivating. There's, like, 10 or 12 seasons. I don't know. But, so that's been an, an interesting guilty leisure, because I... I notice the more exposed I get to it, maybe this is like how the news works, the more I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, maybe I'll sit for a minute and have my coffee in here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, and then now they're all wrapped up into it and they know all the characters and like, like that lady's crazy. She's the wild, like, and they're explaining all these weird, like social dynamics. Mm -hmm. so that's been fun. It's been a guilty leisure to get like sucked into some weird. And you're, you connect with it because you're a dance mom yourself. I am. And so that's dance. you. It's really a ref, it's a like almost like a mirror for you Correct. when you watch that. My daughter does dance. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> it was kind Not of that kind though. It's like hip hop, just for fun. Oh really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. She likes that stuff. What about you? Um, for me, I okay. Something that I I had uh, somebody I used to work with, and I once told her that I like like immature movies, like Step Brothers is the easy one. That's a good one. But the other guys is probably touch my drum. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think the other guys is probably my it, it is my favorite movie. The other guys? Have I yeah, seen not it? many people know it. It's really like the the sequential next one of um Step Brothers. And huh. my brother showed me a movie called Psycho Gorman. It's actually a it's kinda like a horror movie, but it's really comical in like a weird black comedy kind of way. And man, Despite how I know I talk well and I can seem like an intellectual, I love these really stupid movies like this. Mm -hmm. um, makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. How so? Well, I don't know. Like um, a colleague of ours was talking about how a, par a part of his self-care is like having a group of friends that um, he's just s stupid with. Like he gets, it's like college stupid and he's, this is a grown man and it's not like he gets that crazy like he did in college, but that's the, that's the level of engagement, like stepbrothers type. And that's a way for him to like, I guess, manage the, the work we do in some sense. So maybe for you, that might be part of like why you like that stuff is, is cause it's so different than what we're doing on a day to day. I mean, do you think there's any truth to that? I yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it feels like balance. It just, Maybe, I don't know. It just feels like there's two sides of me that really, I don't know. Is it's like a dark side of John? <laughs> well, it's kind of like, you know, you know, like in cooking, lemons make really good candy because bitter things go well with sugar. Yes. And I think a lot of times for me, like funny, weird humor goes well with bitterness. Warmth. Yeah, me bitterness being bitter. and darkness. Having, a, having no heart. Your you dark know. bitterness. Your yeah. Your cold soul right yeah okay so sugar goes well in coffee you know things like that it does you know i think the two things complement themselves really well okay all right uh as you said please send us questions comments thoughts um, cocaine co <laughs> send them to ingo just kidding at don't send cocaine 
I don't think they have our address, but we would <laughs> no. people leave a bag. Send it via email. <laughs> yes. <laughs> However you make that work. Yeah. Like Wonka Vision, but for email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a great movie by the way it is fantastic i love uh, let me ask you though the original or the johnny depp version no contest the first one yeah same it was I, so although, well done i did like the johnny depp version i'm all, i was always been a tim burton fan but it's just creepy and weird and a lot of places it didn't need to be but there's so many little comments in the first one. Oh yeah like vermicious canids mm-hmm. like the, i think it was like a wild animal back at the oompa loompa land right yes. just like I'm over here like laughing at vermicious canids. I didn't even notice the fourth time that I watched. I mean, it. the pr- people who made that were obviously on drugs, but you know, but they were very smart. They, too. But they had a good time. Yeah, so, it's a great film. It is. Um, we were thinking about doing more of like psychology of things. Stuff. Yeah, like recent events. We can maybe even do psychology of like Willy Wonka. Oh geez, I have a question for you. Okay, this is an important one since we're in the season. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Careful how you answer this question. I mean, I would say it doesn't feel like a Christmas movie, but it would like technically meet some like weird standard of being a Christmas movie. What would you say? I would say absolutely yes. Really? Yeah. They just casually reference it though. It doesn't matter. It's Christmas time. Hans. <laughs> I guess the question is like, does a Christmas movie, like what defines a Christmas movie? Is it because it's set at Christmas? Well, I think it reminds you of the season in a sense, and that movie definitely does. Then any movie can remind you of it if you watch it at the same I, time. I guess, but then that, that but it would it would be wrong to call those Christmas. It's movies. controversial. I would say, I guess by your by your definition, if it happens in the movie, if the movie is set during the holidays, I would say it's a Christmas movie. I think there has to be a holiday theme to it too. Really? personally i guess like you could take any movie and just be like oh like the godfather took place over like christmas we'd be like mm, that's kind of weird i guess it's totally a christmas movie <laughs> did you see 8-bit christmas last year i that did was, that was a really good one yeah i actually wasn't a big fan of it no no yeah okay. yeah very 90s feeling you know, it was out, you're younger than me so you, probably need, you need something that came out in the 2000s i'm 14 years old right yes and you're what 52 what? You're 52 years old, is that right? No. <laughs> I'm 106. Okay. You're a Methuselah. Yeah. <laughs> right. This All is right. my second life. So. Oh, is it? Yeah. So you do believe in Freak Ritter. When, when was Freud born? 1800 something? Yeah. 60s a lot. Oh, we're in the weeds. Okay. That has been this edition of Drinks and Shrinks. My name is Ingo Weigold. I'm John Deku. And we will see you guys next time. Later, peeps. Mm-hmm.